Welcome back to the Power Hour podcast. So it is the end of the year, 2019. So we thought that we would share this two-part compilation of the best of 2019 of the Power Hour. We've had so many different guests from different fields, different industries, sharing their knowledge, their insights, experiences. And I, I personally have taken so much from them. I'm just it's been amazing this year to interview so many people. So we have chosen some of our best bits. There were so many and we've put it all together for you to enjoy. So wherever you are, whatever you're doing at the end of the year, if you are traveling, hopefully you're having a great end to the year and looking forward to 2020, excited for what's to come, ready to take on new opportunities, new challenges, abundant possibilities and to create a life that you truly love. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast. Enjoy. Welcome to the Power Hour, the weekly podcast that will motivate you to pursue your passion and to achieve success. I'm Adrienne Herbert, international speaker, fitness coach, Adidas global ambassador and entrepreneur. Each week, I'll be talking to today's leading coaches, creatives, change makers and innovators to find out their daily habits, morning routines and rules to live by. The Power Hour is all about taking just one hour each day to help you improve your life and unlock your full potential. Whether you want to build a business, write a book, run a marathon, or maybe you're just looking for a spark of inspiration, the Power Hour is going to help you get there faster. So, you know, like your phone can now tell you where all of your battery power is going and stuff like that. My phone was telling me that I was on Instagram three hours every day or three hours a day, Yikes. Monday to Sunday. Oh like, my God. No joke. Babe, you need to go to like AA. Yeah, well, I felt like that. But actually now, um, and I started doing it earlier in the year, which is why I feel like I've had a successful year career-wise, um, I just said, okay, if I spend two of those hours doing something that I keep saying that I'll do, like two of those hours actually writing down that TV show idea, actually pitching that TV show idea, actually like making the steps forward that I keep saying that I'm going to do year in, year out, then just think of what I can do. And honestly, that's how I got my documentary. It was literally like two hours a day that just needs to I mean I need to be on Instagram for an hour a day at least because I'm you know like I use it as emails as well sometimes like a lot of a lot of um brands contact me via my dms and stuff like that so i do feel like i definitely need to be on it but not for three hours you don't need it and actually you know um one of my other friends did it he he's wanted to be a writer for ages and he booked himself onto a writing course two hours Mm. and you know that that is there's so much that you can do in that that two hours and so you know like you said there's so much that you can do in your power hour my path was like you know, you're digging a tunnel with a pickaxe and you're just chipping away, chipping away. You're enjoying yourself, but you're chipping away. Before, before you know it, 10 years have passed and you're halfway through. Mm. You don't know where the other end of the tunnel is. You just keep, I'm still chipping. Yeah. I'm still chipping. Right? There's no one in front of you to follow. There you go. There you go. So I'm chipping and chipping and chipping. With the kids today, they can see right through the tunnel. The problem is they can see the other end clear as day and they want to get there as quickly as possible 
it's a big it's a big problem with everything being so quick and accessible today. You think Jay Z's a billionaire without work ethic? There's no way that guy just. You think just because he he's got flow and he could? No way. He's hungry. Yeah. He wants to be a mogul because he doesn't have to be. He can live comfortably without being it. He wants to be what he is. Mm. I don't want to be Jay Z. I've never wanted to be a mogul. In fact, money's not my my motivation. I if I don't work tomorrow, I don't live. I have to give my house back. People may be surprised at that, yeah. but I don't have any income coming in at all unless I work. Mm. And that's how I wanted it, to keep me hungry. I love that. I love it, that. It's mad, but it's true. Yeah, and it's also, really true. Yeah, I love that because, yeah. yeah, you're right. People might be surprised to hear it. And also the, the work ethic bit, you know, people, the, the impatience. And as you said, people don't want to hear it, but, mm. you know, it's true. And I think you can't, nothing can replace it. That's something that I'm hearing a lot of is like, you know, the... The kind of the shortcut or the hack or the yeah, top tip yeah, and it's like yeah. hard work that's well, always the tip take me music is my reason for broadcasting i could broadcast now and do other things i get offered to do a lot of things but my plate is full with music so i sort of look at it and i go okay that's what i do music's what i do it's great how do i stay hungry after 30 years of doing this i find a way i find a way to re-motivate myself Look at young people now, there are loads of radio stations at all different levels now to join. Loads. There are lots of ways, if you want to be a producer, if you want to make music, there's lots of ways of getting your music heard. Just post it. Just share it. If you're any good, share it. Mm. If you're any good, you're going to get feedback immediately. You don't need to sit in a record company like I used to run a label for EMI. And I had a thing where, let me give an example, mid-90s, I get a demo tape. Well, not demo tape. I get a call. We had loads of demo tapes. Gosh, I used to listen to them. They were horrible. <laughs> but then you get a call from somebody in the know. It says, like, listen, I, there's somebody worth meeting. And you, then you pick your meetings. So you're in a little office in a big building, a bit bigger than this room. And see ya. World-renowned, famous singer, great songwriter, incredibly successful. Not young, because mm-hmm. she came to see me. In the 90s. Right. Definitely talented. Not a star. In the 90s. This is really important. Mm. Not a star in the 90s. Listen to her stuff. That's why I'm meeting you, because I really love your stuff. Quirky as hell. Really funny girl. Really, just, I really loved her. Couldn't sign her. Knew it wouldn't work. Ten years later, she's writing songs. 20 years later, she's a global star. Mm. You're like, because in this day and age, the world can accommodate Sia, as it did Ed Sheeran, as it did Adele, as it did Rag and Bowman, as it did all these non-Kylie-looking people that we were programmed to sign. Do you Mm. see what I mean? Yeah, the timing wasn't right. Timing wasn't right. And interestingly enough, when I um, left my job at EMI, which wasn't highly paid for what I did, I was head of A&R at a label, I could have made it higher paid, but I, I didn't feel I earned it. So I left. I got a, I got the MTV gig, and I was doing MTV and Radio One at the same time. And I thought this is, it's not right that I'm signing artists and having the, I'm the guy everyone goes to. Mm. So what do I'm gonna, what am I doing with my artists? Am I gonna play them? Didn't yeah. feel it was right. So I left. What? You're not leaving? Are you mad? I'm like, yeah, I am. Well, double your salary to do one meeting a week. My lawyer got me this cracking deal. 
and he said to me, oh, I've got you a great deal. It's, it's like, double your salary, one meeting a week. And I said no, and he was no longer my lawyer. Oh. Basically. How did you do that? How did you, because when you say it now, people are like, okay, how, in the moment, were you not thinking, I might regret this, you know? No. No? No. Was it gut for you? What was... No, it was, it's what everybody does now anyway. They don't mm-hmm. do what I did. They just take the money. No one bats an eyelid. Yeah, good for you. You've earned it. With me, it was, I don't want anyone ever looking, like you've read my CV and anyone listening who knows who I am will go, yeah, and he's done more than that. A lot more. Right, no, but I'm just saying, but <laughs> no one can say... I've ever done anything untoward, you know, mm. in my career. It's really important to me. Yeah. That's the hardest thing. Mm. This is a work, This is a generation now who demand free stuff, right? <laughs> demand sponsorship, need sponsorship. This is the joy you guys have that we didn't have. Mm. I got nothing at the time. So every, every day you had to go, right, okay, got to prove my worth, got to prove my worth. And I think, I genuinely think, I, I love the fact someone can be sponsored, backed for what they do because someone likes you. And, and likes what you're about and likes what you stand for and want, want your name associated with their brand. I think it's fantastic. I really do. And I'm not judging anybody who, who does that. The people I do judge, though, are people who want to get somewhere in life to get free stuff. Yeah, they want that stuff, but they don't want the other yeah, you got to. Yeah. If you're listening to this, right, I would say to you, you'll get found out. Yeah. You've got to have substance. It's really, really important. Yes. I, maybe I'm over the top in my head about it, but I just think you just got to have substance. No, no, you're right. I think the smoke and mirrors yeah. and the kind of all of the showy and the talk, you know, like you said, if you can, if you're talking the talk, you've got to, you've got to have the stuff. It you makes know? you bulletproof. Mm, yeah. And I feel bulletproof. Amazing. Well, taking it back, yeah, you're talking about the 90s, mm. talking about, you know, MTV. And you're right, I did do, you know, a lot of research. I do my research for the show and I went back mm-hmm. way back i'm watching those interviews you know and like the lick mtv yeah. you know yeah. the the guests include you know jay-z mariah lauren hill come on you know everyone so i guess i was kind of thinking at that time first of all like what was that like you know in terms of these are the biggest people <laughs> in the entire crazy. world but you didn't look phased like you're no. sitting there on the sofa like close to be on yeah. set i'm like these they're friends they're mates mm. you're just you know up there chilling and i'm thinking like did that become normal did that feel did it ever feel like yeah I'm, this is my job this, this is what i do now or was it always crazy it was normal normal crazy i I have to admit, I, I even sometimes, because some people post them on YouTube, mm. I've got a cupboard full of interviews and stuff. The I'm Whitney got, one. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that was, that was something else, though. I can, give you, I can give you so many bits on that, that sort of thing. She looks amazing, right? She looked amazing, but she's also pretty intense. She's scary. Do you know what I mean? Like, scary. Yeah, she's very scary. intimidating. She kind of yeah. was, I was all the way thinking, is she going to, she kind of, is she, is she vexed? Is she happy? Yeah, yeah. You know? I can give you, do you want, I can, well, tell us. Basically, um, I'd never met Whitney. I've been somewhere where Whitney was once in America and I saw a side of Whitney that no one no one from our end had seen and it all came out later. The totally presentable Whitney and the kind of high Whitney, you know. Mm. And it was only if you're behind the scenes at a record label in the, in the business, you might have seen that with some artists. It was a night new edition reformed and I, and I flew, I think it was Washington or somewhere like that and all the black music industry with their puffy everyone yeah because Biggie had been killed um, a year or so earlier and Puffy was with bodyguards and it was really weird but um, a one on one interview she was by far the most intimidating interview I've ever done but I think I held my own you, you know certainly did. She, they shut down HMV for Whitney 
one evening. There was a queue going down Oxford Street of people waiting to get autographs and signatures for a new album. The album was um, the album, the R&B album she did. You know, it's not right, it's okay. Yep. My love is your... All My that love, stuff, yeah, right? I love it. Dope album, right? So the good. first proper R&B album she ever made. Mm. And only proper R&B album she ever made. Because yeah. before that, it was all pop. Ballads and, yeah. And really pop. So she's got to come talk to me. That is how I had it. Yes. <laughs> you got to have Trevor. You're the guy. You're the guy. <laughs> yeah, I so I get the call. And, you know, our show was so so powerful at the time. The Lick was such a big deal that we got everybody. Everybody wanted to do it. Yeah. Because they used to come in here and doing a bit of Top of the Pops and some dodgy interviews with people who aren't invested in black music, who just ask them the most basic questions. And also they got a guy who clearly knows his stuff and, wow, and the crew, really multiracial crew, and it's, am I in England? You know what I mean? Am I in London? You know, it was a bit like that. So that's why we got the love. Um, so anyway, I'm sitting up in a room, probably in the store, you've probably seen it, and Whitney, Whitney sits opposite me. And I'll tell you what, Jay-Z... No problem. Lauren Hill, although I was in love with Lauren Hill. No problem. <laughs> of course. Beyonce, no problem. I knew Beyonce from 17, 16, so we were always good, right? Yeah. And all these people. But Whitney, Mariah even, a, a fluffy kitten, <laughs> diva, 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 J-Lo, all of them could handle. Whitney, you know you're sitting opposite Whitney. I love that, though. Yeah. I love that. I felt in the inner sweating going on, right? <laughs> but I'm keeping, the, the, I'm keeping my exterior calm. And she's getting made up, sort of fixed up. And she's got her bodyguard standing behind her, who rumored, was rumoured to be a very, very close friend, mm-hmm. right, as well. There are all these things bouncing about at the time. At the time. And I sit there and say, um, before the camera's properly rolling, good flight, good flight, nothing. Oh, no. I mean, nothing. Oh, no. Nothing. So I'm sitting there, I'm like, whew, it's going to be, this one's going to be tough. Wow. But a minute later, she goes... Yeah, it was fine, thank you. And I went, ooh, I know how this is going to go. Oh. I'm in control of this interview. <laughs> but, you know, we, she, we had a good interview. Mm. I got what I wanted. She got what she needed, which is her talking about her music and her album on a very, very specific platform, mm. directly to R&B fans, which is really important for people like that who are pop artists. So you go into interviews like that, and really they don't have the power. You have the power. They need you. Yeah, you're doing her. They you're doing Whitney a favour. They well, no, I don't want to sound like that, but <laughs> they kidding. they do need you to give yeah. it that tick of the album's banging. Do you know yeah. what I mean? By the way, you know that kind of vibe. Yeah. And they want that. They want yeah. that. And and they want to be. And she wanted to be. I'm hip hop, you know, heart. And yeah. the the thing that I didn't realise is prior to that, she's getting these dodgy interviews. She's getting people probing. She's getting people asking about Bobby all the time. She's getting. Do you, you see what I mean? So mm. they're weary. Yeah. So that's why she was more like that than ever. And, no, she was fine. Mm, it was wow. fine. And it was the biggest test as an interview for me. Yeah. It just was, you know, but everything else was easy. Amazing. I love it. Oh, my gosh, everything I could listen easy. to you all day. I've got stories on every interview. Of course you have. Loads. I'm loads. not going to let you leave. You 
you know what? I'm going to take it. I want to talk to you about the Power Hour and yeah. about, you know, uh, yeah, all of that. But before mm-hmm. I do, just off that story, I actually have a story to tell you. I wasn't, I don't know if I'm going to keep this in, Jack. You might have to cut this out. This is basically a mistake that I almost made for today, but oh, I didn't. Okay. So basically, obviously, like I said to you, I'm yeah. doing that. You look worried. Yeah. yeah, no, no, no. Go, go, go. <laughs> you know what I said? I'm doing I don't know your mother, do I? <laughs> I'm just saying, I can't. What's going on? Uncle Trevor. <laughs> yeah. yeah so That's what they call me, actually. I, that's my nickname. Hey. Yeah. Oi, oi. So yeah. basically, I was mm-hmm. research, like I said, research, research. I, and I do, you know, like to do that. I respect yeah. people giving me their time to come on the show. So mm-hmm. I want to do my homework. So after typing in Trevor mm-hmm. and Nelson multiple times on different search engines, I see uh, Trevor Nelson Mandela interview. So I'm like, mm-hmm. whoa, this is iconic. Let me just put that in, ask him about that. Mm. And then I look a bit closer and it says, Trevor meets Nelson Mandela and it's actually Trevor McDonald from uh, ITV Newsnight. <laughs> you could have made it. Yeah, I would have walked out. I mean, I'm not going to lie. Like, there's been many times where I've literally just been at home and I've posted something and then I read like one nasty comment and I'm like, what? They don't even know me. Like, you know, <laughs> just start going crazy. And then I'm like, Blur, just relax, pull it back. Like it's one person. Yeah. You know, like, you know why you're doing this. And your family are proud of you. And that's the main thing is where you need to have like a really tight unit around you. I think if you know who your friends are, you know, who your family are and they keep you grounded, then yeah, you just kind of have to dust it off. But you definitely have to be really tough <laughs> to deal with it because it is people say nasty things yeah and i guess when you go on a show like the x factor and it's so huge then you i know you've done the things before as you said yeah. like the stages and everything but then from a public perspective i guess that kind of catapults you right so yeah. how did life change after the show well yeah it's interesting because a lot of people say typically of um talent shows or reality talent shows there's like a stigma attached to them and people are like oh you just wandered off the street and you're a star overnight and people don't realize that there's a whole story before you get to that stage. So when you see the cliche moments of, this is my last shot, everything's riding on this, it pretty much is for a lot of people because mm-hmm. before you take the plunge and you go on that show, a lot of people have been trying and grafting in the industry. So it's not like we've just walked off the street and we're you know, just taking a stab at it. Oh, let's just try, try our luck. You know, it's people who are really passionate and it's, it is our dream. Like, you know, we've been trying to do this for years. And in some ways I say that it would be a lot easier to struggle and do all of that without the public watching you. Sure. Like in a lot of ways, doing that on a show like The X Factor is harder because mm. everyone's judging you as you're growing and as you're developing and as you're finding your style as an artist. Mm. So it is really, really tough in some ways, but everyone's got different paths mm. and how they make it. There's there's so many different ways to make it. And yeah, I'm just I'm just really glad that I that I did it actually because I, I felt like I'd tried everything. Mm. I had a lot of experience, but I just needed the right person to see me. Yep. And so, yeah, it was like the perfect platform. Amazing, it was awesome. So, and also, as I mentioned about the the, the recent single, Favourite Thing. Mm-hmm. So you, I've, you've seen obviously online, people are, you know, creating these incredible dance yeah. routines. I mean, the routine, shout out to the choreographer because yes. the routine in that music video is sick. Oh, and yeah, all these dance crews that are now, you know, like posting their videos mm. and like, it must be amazing to see how so many people are enjoying your music. Yeah, I love that. Honestly, it's one of my favourite parts of, of doing music. It's, um, yeah, Ed and Shabta, she choreographed it she actually choreographed sax as well okay she's amazing and yeah just every day i get like things popping up like online and i'm like oh my gosh amazing like girls in their room just choreographing to massive dance groups 
like dance classes all over the country uh, uh, choreographing to it. And it's it's amazing. And you've reshared some of them as well yeah, on yeah, your yeah. Instagram. I love that. I just, uh, it's amazing. That's kind of why you do it, isn't it? To like inspire people and to make people feel something when you release it. That's mm. ultimately what you want. Sometimes it's so, so hard to connect to that when it's right. so far away. Yeah. Especially this time of year, we, we won't compete from September through to potentially May if you don't do an indoor season. If mm. you do, it's February. But even that's quite a long time to be grafting and grinding and to not have anything, any goal mm. um, within sight. So yeah. to kind of, to keep that motivation up. I, I mean it when I say your posts inspire me every morning, right? So I'm in Florida. I'm five hours behind. Every morning I wake up, tap your story. Oh, she was up. There you, there she is running. <laughs> yeah. Like six, five, six a.m. You're yeah. already up and out. And I'm like, right, okay. She's oh, already done that. that. I can oh, get up and go as well. I love, oh, you're very kind. Honestly, it's like a mutual appreciation society <laughs> up in here. Um, well, I guess I, it's really, yeah, that makes sense though about the long-term goal thing because I guess, again, it depends on your personality because I think for some people they need, um, you know, the favorable outcome to be quite soon. So like, you know, six week goal. Yeah. Even for yeah. some people, it's like a one week goal, you know, to, to start off with. And as you said, if something's, you know, a four year cycle or a two year cycle that's a long time and I guess what comes with that as well is personally when I'm training for a race you know like a 10k or half marathon or something I know it's only a certain amount of weeks away but if I knew okay it's in a year and I was going to miss a week or a run or something you probably think oh it's only one run doesn't matter that's it and that's that's the dangerous bit is because you start to think well it's so far away is this one extra recovery session going to make any difference to a competition in four months time yeah. And no, that one isn't. But if that's your attitude, that's what's going to make the difference. Yeah. Um, so you have to keep, try and keep your goals in mind. You have to pick loads of different things that motivate you and just kind of cycle between them. Yeah. I think, you know, saying about being naturally lazy, it's so true. But the reason I've been able to do it is that I hate losing so much. I hate losing way more than I like winning. Really? Yeah. Okay. I hate losing right and since a kid i have i'm marginally better at it now Mm -hmm. um i was a horrible loser as a child my parents had to put up with that um and i think that's what's kept me going right uh, all these years and being able to do these tiny little things Mm. um is not wanting to lose and even even once you reach a big goal so you know i made it to the olympics i still i finished eighth to me i was gutted for days and days and days after that it took a long time for me to process you've just made the Olympic final and that's a big achievement because yeah. it became, well, you didn't win a medal. Seven people beat you. Oh, and that's how it is in my head is that seven people beat me and I go, okay, I don't want to feel like I did after that Olympic final in the next one. Yeah. And so whenever I'm tempted to skip something, um, I'm tempted to, you know, eat the completely wrong thing, which you know, happens mm. um, for performance. You know, there's no quote unquote wrong things. That's another conversation. Yeah. Um, then I go back to that and think, look, this tiny thing could be what makes the difference because like you said before with the commonwealth silver i I lost by two centimeters two centimeters two centimeters and it comes down to that so so often you know three centimeters can be the difference between gold and no medal at all wow so you think okay well maybe this this session is worth half a centimeter yeah and that's what would get me out of bed jazz honestly it's so interesting to hear you say that so honestly though because i'm currently halfway through listening to the laws of human nature by robert green incredible book oh my goodness it's 28 hours on audible wow yeah it's amazing he's incredible and basically it's you know the fact that you speak so honestly about you know that kind of he talks about 
human nature and as having the dark side and that can be um, envy it can be you know all these different things but you know what you described then about going I hate losing so much so many people feel like that but they don't want to admit it not just publicly because there's some kind of shame attached to that sometimes yeah but it's also to themselves and so they won't even enter into something that they could lose in because they hate losing so much i love that you're so honest about using that to fuel you like personally that's not really kind of my right. psyche with things but i think the fact that you know that and you, you're introspective enough to be able to say you know what I mean? To be self-aware and go, yeah, that works for me. I know I don't want to feel that feeling again that I yeah. felt that, you know, coming eighth. That's amazing. It can be so negative though because it, it, it winds up in other places in my life. So I'll, I'll do a singing performance and feel like it went really badly and then kind of come back to that feeling over and over and over again. And it's maybe not the most healthy way to do things all the time, but I know that that's going to drive me. Mm. And if I'm really struggling for motivation to to actually work on something that maybe I don't need to work on, like, like all the sort of extra little projects with me doing singing and things, I don't need to be doing that. But if I don't have a great performance or I don't get booked for a gig, it feels like a loss. Right. And so I'm able to kind of switch that around and go, yeah. okay, we'll, we'll make it happen next time. Well, I encourage you to listen or, or read if you fancy reading a yeah. book that's the size of this <laughs> huge, um, The Laws of Human Nature, because it's amazing. Really amazing. Well. So let's talk about the power hour. Yes. So even though you've self-confessed lazy, which I'm not sure I still buy that. Can you tell me when you're training, when you're in a, is this, you have seasons, right? Training seasons yes. on and off. So when you're training, what time do you get up each day? And what does the first hour of your day involve? Okay. So when I, it depends where I'm training. When I'm training in the States, like I said, I get up, I go to bed really early just because I've got nothing to do in the evenings. So I go to bed sort of, nine or, or before nine most nights um when i'm over in the states and so i'm up by six latest i don't really set an alarm um when i'm in the states because i know i'm never going to need it we don't start training till nine um and is it sunny at six um no oh okay i thought you were going to say it's really sunny I was like, well I'm we're really not jealous. i'm not there in the summer so, so is, when it's actually hot hot yeah too hot i'm not there okay um so this time of year it's it's still super dark okay at six um but you're my power hour inspo. Honestly, I find it really hard, again, to actually get up and do productive things. This whole, I'm really trying to leave my phone alone in the morning. But generally, truthfully, yeah. I don't. Okay, so you get up at six. I get up at six and I check my phone. Check your phone. Um, I watch your story. I'm like, okay, <laughs> fine, get out of bed. From the moment I turn my computer on, yep. it's just people picking my brain yeah. Take and asking take. for you know time. Yes. And it's every day and it's constant and... You know, people have got absolutely no idea the amount of people who basically, because there's people who know me from music, so I have music people coming. Then there's the literature world that's coming into my inbox. Then there's the, you know, the random crew world that's coming in. Then yeah. there's like the brand consultancy. Then there's the, the lectures and the talks. And then there's the, the kid, the youth work. Mm. And then there's the, you know, the family. And your, yeah, kids. your family, your friends, stuff. your circle. It's coming into my head, demanding my time, yeah. demanding a piece of me. And it can be really overwhelming mm -hmm. if you don't set your foundations. Yeah. So one of the things I've learned, you know, from being a yoga teacher, there are certain moves that actually, they're very easy to do, mm -hmm. but they require balance. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They require balance. Um, tree pose is a really kind of classic example. When you're working with beginners and they're doing trying tree pose, it's, like, it's kind of unnatural. You're standing on one leg, you feel like a stork, you know, you've <laughs> kind of got your, heads in, your hands in some kind of spiritual position. Yeah. Um, 
what often happens is you kind of go into it and then you to have to step out because your balance isn't right. And then you find people rushing to try and get themselves back into it mm-hmm. without setting their foundations. Okay. You know what I mean? Without going through the process of these are the foundations that I have to do in order to get myself into this, you yeah. know, this post. So very much, you know, taking that on board, my thing is kind of like the morning routine sets me up for the day. If I don't do this routine, then I can't be... The, I can't give the people what they want. Mm-hmm. You know, I can't give them the energy that they demand from me. Yeah. So therefore, got to have these foundations. Yeah, I hear that too. I can relate. And I, I love my morning routine. And I love that for me, you know, that hour before people, like you said, are after you, before yeah. there's WhatsApps, emails, mummy, this, that, so many things you want to be, you need some time to cultivate for yourself. And yeah. I feel like if that time comes later in the day, once all the things are done and, then you're tired, you're exhausted. Yeah, then, yeah. you know, that, that time that you've left for yourself is rubbish time. Yeah. You know, I want to I want to have some time every day for myself, which is powerful, which is yeah. good time. And I can yeah. show up myself and be, you know, fully charged. Yeah. Um, and I know I'm very lucky that I've already had um, some very wonderful moments, but uh, career-wise, but I am very much at the start again and I'm not racing to whatever that end goal might be. I'm just going this is cool, there is another challenge, how am I going to tackle it and not get too ahead of myself? And mm. and also because you know you're never, you won't feel any different at the end of it. You're not going to be a better person, mm. happier, more complete. You're just going to have had more experiences. So don't focus on that end bit. Just work hard. Don't be a dick. <laughs> it's an important one. Yep. Be nice to people. Yeah. Like, be nice to everyone that yep. you're working with. doesn't mean you're a walkover. You know, you can still have a vehement opinion and you can mm-hmm. say no, but be nice um, and know that it's, it is going to take work. That, there's yeah. no other way around it. There's just not. Yeah, I love that. And I love the whole, you know, not just focusing on the end because I think for, there's, for a lot of people, just focusing on the end, you don't actually enjoy the process no. because you're just like, I'm not there yet, I'm not yet, I'm not there yet. Yeah. But also when you focus on the end too much, sometimes that's so overwhelming because it mm. can seem like such, you know, the goal is so far away from where yeah. you are now that you just kind of can't imagine the steps to getting there. No, and, so. then, you, and then you cut corners and that's, that's, that's no use to you because you have to go through every stage of whatever career you're in and experience the good bits and the bad bits to then end up feeling educated and knowledgeable in that field of work whatever it might be mm, yeah no shortcuts I love it take notes mm. guys so as I mentioned at the beginning um, BBC Radio 1 Live Lounge oh yeah. my goodness I absolutely loved it that must have been so much fun it was amazing it was an extraordinary experience it was terrifying at first because I took over from the amazing Joe Wiley who I call Queen Joe to her face <laughs> and it was really scary um, but it was just the most exceptional experience you know I got to interview every band artist um, dance act DJ that I could have dreamed of you know yeah. just everyone every and week it was someone, every week yeah. and sometimes every day because we would do a month in September where we have someone every day and you know, it was. I never became sort of nonchalant about it. I was constantly sort of in awe of the fact that I had that access, and not only to interview them, but to sit, you know, two feet away from Coldplay, just tinkering on the piano, you know, Chris Martin on the piano, and singing beautifully, or Dave Grohl on the next chair playing a song acoustic. You know, I that never ever became normal, and. And I've got some amazing memories from that extraordinary time and the bizarre situations I ended up in. Um, And it was a tough decision to let it go, but I'm all about chapters and Mm -hmm. starting again and testing yourself and not becoming complacent. And um, 
and like just trying new stuff so I keep learning really so I knew that it was time and now Clara's doing the most magnificent job there yeah. so it's lovely to kind of hand that over to another you know brilliant female broadcaster yeah yeah it is an amazing show so many epic performances as you yeah. said obviously they then bought the album out I personally loved Lamar's cover of The Darkness remember that I believe oh my god Lamar. that's such How? a random one that I had forgotten about How? that version is just sick he's I'm got like, such a good if voice. you don't know that version guys check it out and, and he's got bright green eyes and I couldn't <laughs> stop every time I've interviewed him I'm like I can't deal with these eyes yeah, they're yeah. exceptional eyes yeah. oh. and also another one I loved was Ella Eyre's cover of Sia Elastic Heart that was yes. up there for me amazing god um, you've got a great memory of these I don't remember any of them well I was just neck. about to say do you have a favourite <laughs> all time live lounge um, performance yes I think I've probably got a few um, I remember oh god oh this one moment was just really out of body experience. So we were at Maida Vale. If we had like a big live lounge where it was either a US artist who wanted a specific sound or um, it, it needed more of a sort of technical engineering sort of look at what they were doing, we would go to Maida Vale. And one of those occasions we had Eminem in the live lounge, which again, it was just so surreal. And I turned up and, and he wasn't there. There was about five man mountains these men that were like eight foot tall and six foot wide and instantly I was terrified like I don't want to do this I think I'm just going to go home again this is too much for me to deal with um uh, you know um, an artist or a man that needs six mountains at all times with him seems too much for me to handle (laughs) so I was really terrified but um and he came in did a rehearsal whilst we were playing songs out on air and he swore the whole way through it and I was like this is going to be an absolute disaster because I'm going to have to jump in when he's singing and say so apologize guys I'm so sorry about that I didn't want to do that so then we had a quick chat and he was very sweet and then did the performance and edited out every single swear word, cuss, whatever, so beautifully. Like it was just so skilled. Well, and he did. So yeah, so he just kind of edited out every single word, cuss that would have been there. It was so beautiful to watch and his energy was like, oh my God, I'm getting goosebumps thinking about it. His energy just lit up the room and it was such a powerful experience because there was no audience. It was mm. me and a producer and then these six mountain men people. And 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 him stood there just emitting this energy. Wow. Um, and then after the performance, he like really relaxed and we had a really nice interview and a really nice chat. And it was one of those sort of exceptional pinch me moments where I think I am so lucky that I got to stand two feet watching him just channel that, that energy. Um, that was... Really, really amazing. And every time Coldplay came in, every t- time Dave Grohl came in, um, I remember Laura Mavula doing this beautiful piano performance of Coldplay Yellow and, and I just cried my eyes out and I was like, wow. don't even care. Just, and Adele Adele um, came in and did this whole live lounge special five songs back to back and that voice that close is, yeah. is just overwhelming, you know, beautiful. Wow. So yeah, it was kind of a magical experience whenever we had that live face-to-face moment. Yeah, that that all of that is just absolute madness. And mm. as I said at the beginning, you're like the coolest mum ever. Can you imagine telling your kids this? You know, my just hanging out with Eminem. Just don't, I mean, <laughs> even my stepkids, I've got stepkids who are 13 and 17, and they just think me and my husband are just tragic. You know, they're constantly <laughs> taking the mickey out of us. Um, we're not cool in the slightest. And I will try and impress them every day. Like, you know, you know, I, you know if they're listening to Eminem, I, just, I'm, I interviewed him before, and they're like, 
great. Good for you. Like, it's just not... Just wait. They, they will. They're, at you. the moment, all of them, I think, just think we're embarrassing. And but that's, that's a teenager's job, right? I think so. And yeah. even my three-year-old, just like, please stop dancing, Mum. Okay. Okay. Yeah, just you wait. They're going to realise how I hope you so. are. <laughs> and then moving on from your career in radio, you also have a huge audience on social media. On Instagram and Twitter combined, it's almost 10 million people. Like, that's Almighty. insane. Yeah. That's crazy. Um, and you've been incredibly open and honest uh, when talking about your own challenges with mental health over the last few years. And your recent podcast episode with Bryony Gordon was just amazing. Thank you. So why do you think it is important that we share these conversations? I think it is massively, you know, I have this bizarre platform um, because I've been in the public eye for a long time. Um, And what's the point of it unless you're going to use it for some good, you know, how many times can I post a picture of a nice jacket that I've bought and and what impact does that have? I mean, not very much, apart from, and of course, a very sort of narcissistic way of me going, oh, people like my new jacket. But why not use that to do something that has a positive impact? And, um, you know, I'm not doing anything out of the ordinary or, or doing anything above and beyond. I just think it's a much... Um, nicer way of doing things to be authentic and to talk about things in a real way and I didn't have the opportunity really before social media or certainly before I started writing books so I've been developing my morning routine for probably about six years and this is I feel at the moment it will probably change all of the time but at the moment this is where it's at and I do it because I suffer with my mental health I have suffered with anxiety for a very very long time and anxiety sufferers love routine and structure and nine to fives nothing in my life wants me to have any kind of staff job any kind of routine it's just the universe I feel like this is the one of the biggest life lessons I'm being taught by the universe it does not want me to have these things so I have to structure that in for myself to make sure that I can do all the things that I need to do to make sure that I do all my work that I am a good friend a good daughter a good sister a good girlfriend all of those things I need to make sure that I put the tools in place to maintain my mental health so it's all mental health related for me and I think we should all we're living in a really crazy time where our default response when someone asks us how we are is to say I'm busy and I think mistakenly busy has been a sign has been noted as a sign of success I'm really drawing away from that now to me success is you know yeah having a great career but also having really good friendships and relationships and making time for those things because otherwise we're just going to rattle through life and not kind of see where the time is going so success to me is looking after myself so I can do the things I need to do and then have the relationships and the friendships that feed my soul and make life worth living. Yeah, I love that. I'm hearing that so much more from so many different people. And to be honest, I'm guilty of that myself, you know, not necessarily thinking that busyness, you know, equates to success, but just thinking like, you know, I'm busy, everyone's busy. You know, I, I say that to people a lot. I say, I understand you're busy, you know, it's fine. Like we're all busy, it's cool. You know, not having this expectation of others time because they're busy and we're all busy, like you said. But actually it's like, what is the point of the busyness? You know, is it busy for busy sake? Is it because you're actually achieving something or are we just yeah I, I'm hearing that more and more and definitely trying to consider it 
more myself and I have this thing I call white space so it's like in my diary I have to have white space so if it's like this is at 6am this is at 9 this is at 3 this is at 5 you know on Monday Tuesday Wednesday I literally this week it's Thursday Thursday I have white space Mm. and I'm like thank goodness you have to have that you can't have every and I'm you know big on productivity I'm all about that but I think white space you have to because then when things spill over things don't always run to plan or whatever you're like it's cool I can pick it up in that time or I could do nothing in that time if I wanted to absolutely and you know take it from someone who who has been in a in a pretty low place it's not worth it it's not worth feeling low if you can avoid that by making sure you don't get burnt out by making sure you don't say yes to everything but this is something that has taken me a long time to learn so if you're struggling at the moment i was there and yeah. i'm i dip into that place frequently and it's okay but yeah oh my gosh white space i love that so much i'm going to I'm going to hold on to that term. Yeah, because I use a paper diary. So it's like, has to be white, nothing filled in there. So with that, you know, talking about you've created that morning routine, it's taken time, it's changed. You know, for anyone, I really, something I say a lot, because I really do believe it, is that anyone can change. You know, we're all possible of, of making huge changes if we so wish to, if we're motivated to change, then we can. Um, and if you allow... I guess, you know, you're allowed to change your hairstyle, you're allowed to change your career, you're allowed to change your mind. You can change if you want to. But I think often the resistance comes from other people in our lives that might say, you know, if it's changing your diet to veganism, oh, well, you're doing vegan now with the eye roll of like, what, you know, you weren't vegan last year. So what's this about? Or, you know, if you're changing your morning routine to saying, I'm getting up earlier and I'm going to try out cold showers. Oh, why are you doing a cold shower? It's ridiculous. Oh, what next? It's like, you're just, you know, it's like silly and people often it's really disrespectful. I've, I've experienced, my husband has definitely had that where he's told someone about, you know, the cold showers or, or breath work, you know, breathing techniques. And it's like breath work. Are you having a laugh? I've been breathing since the day I was born. Now you're going to talk to me about, you know, you're going to go to a, a, a whole conference about breath work and it's like yeah I don't know do you have you I guess ever had any relationship struggles of people saying like oh you've changed Venetia absolutely I had people in my life tell me that they weren't gonna be in my life when I went vegan um I have had people be really resistant to the changes that I've made but equally I've had people being really supportive of it and I've held on to those people Once you understand that it's all self-projection, when people say, oh, you're going to do this. Oh, that's weird. It's all self-projection. It's all on them. It's all them. It's nothing. how they feel. It's nothing to do with you. Once you can understand that, it's a real release. And you just think, oh, okay, that's cool. You do you, I'll do me. And you just crack on. Um, I think, you know, that just comes with time and, and a little bit of patience. But I try to do... I try to live compassionately and do the things that I'm passionate about compassionately um, rather than, you know, I'm right and you're wrong. Yeah. Um, and I think that's that's probably also helpful to, I think that's a helpful way to kind of, if you're going to make changes, do them, do, do them with kindness and then hopefully you'll be left with less resistance from those people. But if they are really resistant, it's, it's on them, it's not on you. Yeah, definitely. And if you are one of those people yourself, maybe question why you have that reaction. You know what I mean? Why do you have that reaction when someone tells you about something that they're changing or trying to change in their life? And maybe just, I don't know, keep it to yourself. If you don't want to encourage them, cool, but maybe don't put them off and discourage them either. Mm, yeah. Great advice. So do you have a power hour challenge for our listeners and for myself to try out this week? Yeah, it's got to be cold showers. Yeah. yeah, I think it's going to be a cold shower. Now, 
I understand that you might be living in a really cold climate. Um, maybe just start with you jump into the shower and this is quite good, quite a good hack. It's not something I do, but it's quite a good hack. Have a little hot shower and then end with 10 seconds of cold and build up from 10 seconds to a minute. Um, cold showers are actually kind of harder than cold water therapy. Um, I was talking to my friend about this last night. A full immersion is actually easier. Cold showers because it's a, the water's a bit sparse and you're kind of you're kind of trying to rub yourself and get clean. And uh, it's actually harder. Uh, but I really do think that it's just such a good feeling after you get up the shower. Yeah. We 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 live in a time where we don't allow ourselves to feel the cold or to feel heat. We're constantly wearing clothes and putting the heating on or cooling ourselves down with fans and air conditioning. We really need to get back to the root of things and start actually challenging our bodies a little bit. And yeah, this we're supposed to feel those fluctuations. Yeah, yeah, this doesn't necessarily mean you have to go to a hit class and do Bikram yoga. This could just mean that potentially you have a little cold shower or you put on a jumper or you don't put on a jumper when you're freezing cold. Maybe you just get up and walk around a little bit. Yeah. I think we should just be challenging our bodies slightly more than we potentially have been yeah, with all of these that. creature comforts that we have. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. 